0: What's up, everybody? This is episode 138 of the ClapperCast. I'm Burke, and as always, joined by Sean. Sean, it's a new year. New us, I guess, sort of. <laughs> new year, new us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of, not really, but um, how's it going, man?
1: You know, doing all right. It has been a hot minute since we've got an episode, so I'm glad to be back here.
0: Yeah, it, uh, we tried to record one a couple weeks ago and had some technical issues with it, so we weren't able to publish it, but... Looking forward to kind of diving back into it. Um, it's uh, kind of past the halfway mark of the season. It's uh, it's yeah, exciting. Exactly, uh,
1: last last Wednesday was the official halfway point, and now every team has played 41 or more games, so we're uh, halfway done already.
0: Yeah. It's surprising how fast it always goes um, that, that we're already halfway. Um, and... There's some teams that still have like single-digit losses, <laughs> it's like Boston.
1: Single, yeah. Never mind single-digit. They've got a handful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five it's
1: five regulation losses in 43 games. Like this, it's unreal how good this team still is right now.
0: Yeah, they are um, insane, and only one regulation loss at home. Like that's just—it's pretty baffling. crazy. Like, I mean, there's some other teams that are good at home, but no one's as good as them right now. <laughs> Definitely, um, some crazy records being getting close to or tied, like almost every week it seems in the NHL. You know, like there's Boston having a historically good season and at home, and uh, Ovechkin seems to be at or. Like tying or breaking a record every game, um, and then the Canucks are also, I think, breaking records because I think they're, um, I think they're the all-time leader after 40 games of like losing, like giving up the lead and losing a game. I think i saw a stat about that let me try and find that i
1: wouldn't be the least bit surprised that has been a general trend with them lately is is going into the third period up a goal or two and then completely turtling and collapsing this is actually a trend over years i remember uh other canucks friends fan canucks fans friends of mine who say they always do that—is like turtle and then give up the lead
0: so this is f- about a week ago um Vancouver now holds the record for the most multi-goal blown leads through 40 games all time. It's historic. Yeah. Great. Great work. Um
1: um I mean on on a, and another historic record too. I mean Seattle uh just swept a 7-game road trip, first team in NHL history to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, we we joked a lot. <laughs> about Martin Jones being not the answer for the problems in Seattle, and apparently we were really wrong about that. Okay. <laughs> I had two shutouts last uh, week.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Like, he, he's he been streaky this year. Like, he, had, he was really good for a week or two right when Grubauer got hurt. And then he was really good at for a week or two, and then he fell back on his old stat patterns where he was not very good. Now he's in another hot streak. Um, I think the biggest thing with Seattle is that their offense is completely turned around from last year. Because, like, sure, the goaltending's better. They're not giving up as many goals at all. But their offense is one of the best in the league at this point. I think they're top five.
0: Yeah, me, I mean, like, me they've built their team to be, to yeah, have that depth. You know, I think, like, the addition of, like, Andre Burakovsky really gives them, like, another well, uh, one. Bjorkstrand, Bjorkstrand really Strand. gives them a... Uh, Couple more shooters, um, but it's really like, you know, scoring by committee, and different it guys tr- are contributing every is. night, and uh, they're they're finding ways to win. But um, let you me know, like uh, going back to like last season, like the problem they were experiencing was like they weren't getting the saves, like the timely saves when they needed them. And they, like they kind of are now. Like yeah, sure Jones's numbers aren't like amazing. I think he's got, like, a sub-900 save percentage on the season. Um, but like, his goals against is pretty decent, but, like, he's making making timely stops, keeping them in games, and then they're they're giving him the run support.
1: Yeah. Um, this is from a few games ago. So this was after Seattle's 38th game. They had 10 20-point scorers, which was tied with Boston for the most in the league. So, like you said, that scoring by committee, that truly is the thing for Seattle. They've got... I mean, now we're we're after, like, 43 games, and they've got 13 20-point scorers. So this is, you know, over, over a season, this is guys who are putting up 40 points. This is guys who are on pace to put up about 40 points.
0: Yeah, so that's pretty impressive. So to have, you
1: know, upwards of 13 players on pace to put up half a point per game, like, that is that is unheard of depth. That's incredible. Yeah to have the equivalent of your top 3 4 lines and top 2 defensive pairings all putting up 40 points.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um very very impressive just a deep deep lineup. Um I'm trying to find the fancy stats on Jones and you know they're 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 not impressive on the season but you know, like you said, streaky, and that time's really, really good, and at time's not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people were kind of making the argument last year where, like, if they had, like, league average goaltending, you know, they might have oh, had yeah, a lot more points.
1: So much better because that's, the, you know, the probably going to end up saving them an extra goal every couple of games. Well, that could be the difference in a lot of the closer ones.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and in, they're in a division that um, you know is I don't know what the right term is but softer. Um, or, the you Pacific
1: know. is competitive, but yes, they don't have a lot of great, especially goalies this season. They're uh, it's it's a very high event division, a lot of scoring and not a lot of defense.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. For them to have a uh, positive goal differential is just, you know, yeah, a, p- a pretty good turnaround from where they were at last season. Just a bit of a punching bag for a lot of teams.
1: Yeah. So Martin Jones, I don't know exactly the criteria to fit on this list, um, but he's currently at 1.2 goals saved above expected. So he's pretty much just performing as expected. He's 36th in the league in that stat. But here's the team getting league average goaltending. Their offense is completely turned around. And look, they're second in the division. They're competitive. They're winning games. Like, they look good. So.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to do a split here of, um, you know, maybe month by month. But, um, you know, like so far in January, Jones has played seven games. He's got a 926 and a 1.86. He's got two shutouts in that time. So that's going to you know, affect his numbers mm-hmm. up. Um, but, um, yeah, he's, he's playing better teams, teams winning. Yep. Um, so it's, it's cool to see, um, just cause I know everyone was kind of clowning on that guy. Um, when he came there, so it's always kind of nice to see someone perform above expectations. Um, Especially for once. when it's
1: contributing <laughs> so much to the team's success,
0: too. Yeah. Get a bit of pride yeah. out of it. Yeah. Um. And then j- j- just jumping back above the border from Seattle, back to Vancouver. Um. You know, you mentioned some of the blown leads that they've had. Is you know they have the most all time through 40 games, which is a weird stat, but it's like it's eight games, so it's like it's not like you know. Twenty or something but it's, it's well, just, still... just think about that like
1: <laughs> you'd expect an average team you win half your games you lose half your games so probably you're going to go into the third period and half those games with a lead so you know that's that's a very simplified version because you can go in tied and all that too but at most you'd expect maybe 20 of your 40 games to go in with a lead and then you go and proceed to lose eight of them so it's basically like half the time you go into the third period with a lead you're ending up losing that lead, especially considering that it's like probably less than less than half. So you're probably giving up that lead more than half the time that you go into that third period with the multi goal lead. Yeah. Like that is terrible.
0: Yeah, and I think what's even worse for fans is just to helplessly watch different management come in and do the exact same thing. You know, like tie up, I think if what, like twenty nine million between like Miller um, Mikheyev and uh, who else did they sign? Um, uh, did they, no, just I guess the OEL deal coming was uh, previous management? Yeah, that, was, but, that was in the past, same um, Garland. Well, oh, Besser, Besser, Miller, and uh, Mikheyev. All of those ones are during Rutherford um, and Alvin um and then just for them to just be saying things like <laughs> you know like we want we want um players who we can win now with for any sort of deal with Horvat and it's like well who who are you going to get that's better than Horvat yeah. in a deal <laughs> and they don't want picks yeah you, like they, who
1: are how are they going to improve their roster in that trade because you're trading away like What's what's Horvat, the second line center, and team captain?
0: Yeah, I mean it depends on which line you think is the first line and any I given night, like, I guess. Yeah. Um You
1: know, top six center and team captain. How are you going to improve on that with a trade? Yeah. What are you going to get? Like you're, you know, you're going to go for some one for one deal. Like you're not going to get two players better than Horvat. Yeah.
0: So you prioritized Miller. Exactly, and um, that's the
1: other thing is like you go and prioritize Miller, who is, you know, allegedly an absolute disaster in the locker room. I mean, he's made it pretty public at this point too when he's like yelling at uh, was it Spencer Martin on the ice?
0: I think it was Delia.
1: Yeah, whichever, whichever goalie you know, yelling at the goalie on the ice, you know, get the fuck off, get the fuck off.
0: Yeah, but if, like, if you watch <laughs> the extended play there, it's like the Canucks make a bonehead move and, like, turn back towards the goalie with, like, a drop pass and then get stuck in their zone. So it's like, yeah, the goalie's going to stay in the zone because you exactly. guys are no longer making your way up.
1: Yeah, That's... It's, it's, you know, and then, yeah, so Miller goes and does that publicly and he's like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like, okay, well... Based off of the everything we've seen and heard about you, I probably think it's a deal.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So they go and prioritize this guy over Horvat, and now because they give Miller this monstrous contract, they can't re-sign Horvat, who is apparently actually good in the locker room and a good presence around.
0: Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, I think it was maybe a couple games after that, um, bang, the stick on the crossbar to get your goalie to go to the bench. Um you know, like, it was on, like, Hockey Island in Canada. We might have talked about this, but, like, Kevin Bieksa was talking about how he can no longer defend it. Or it's, like, they're showing all these clips of goals and Miller either turns the puck over and then goes off for a change or he's just, like, very slow coming back. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, you can you can be, you know, like, the, the asshole kind of guy if your play backs it up b x I was talking about Kessler. Like you know, like Kessler's obviously like rougher on the edges and a bit of a dick, but it's like he was a great two-way player. So it's like he backed it up by doing the playing the right way and everyone could see, yes, he's giving, you know, 100% each game or whatever. Whereas Miller, it's like you're very clearly not. Mm-hmm. Right? But then yeah, there's an interview. There's an interview like a couple days after that <laughs> and Miller's like you know i don't think i'm playing or i think i'm doing things the right way i'm i'm playing the game the right way and it's like no you're not no you're not yeah <laughs> you're not you're yeah, clearly th- there's not a
1: whole thing about that interviewer is like some weird passive aggressive thing where it's like oh he's stopped playing offensively now so he thinks he's so he's you know making a snide remark that he's playing the right way but it's like no you're not you're Cause still you're not because you no longer
0: anything. putting up the numbers but you're also not contributing in any other way in a positive yeah. way. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think the Canucks are gonna fuck themselves up, and mm-hmm. they're not gonna they're not Going gonna able to? To retain <laughs> anyone, and they're no. not gonna be able to keep Pedersen. That's no. that's what I'm predicting is that he's gonna be he's gonna be a um, RFA after um, next season. Yeah, he's gonna be an RFA after next season. And I don't think he's gonna resign. I think he's either going to wait and go play in Europe, or I think he's they're going to have to trade him.
1: Yep, I don't. I, I don't see why he would want to stay there.
0: I th- he said before, like he wants to play like meaningful hockey and he wants mm-hmm. to win, and it's like if there's no real plan in place to get there within like a few seasons, like he's why would he stay? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah,
1: he's, <laughs> he's he's hitting. The, he's going to be in like the this. The prime of his career when he's hitting that RFA status in a couple of, at the end of next season. It's like, why is he going to want to stay in a team that is still trying to decide if they want to rebuild or retool?
0: Yeah. I mean, the guy's 24 right now. You know, he's going to want to play his prime for a team that's competing, at least making playoffs. Mm hmm lots of teams would love to have that guy like the way he's been playing this year like he's but been he's like top noticeable
1: top ten points in the league
0: noticeable um, both sides of the ice like mm-hmm. in a good way um, always giving it his all like he's just he, he work ethic and just like a leader and you know somebody that someone would actually want yeah <laughs> But just and just like, and then it's like the Canucks are like they've got some some pe- some pieces that teams would trade for right now, right? Like they've got mm-hmm. um, Kuzmenko that teams would would want, you know, a, a, a winger with a shot on a very cheap a, deal.
1: Yeah, exactly, a cheap winger.
0: Um, Horvat, um, Luke Shen, sort of yep. like cheap cheap defenseman who's been in this. You know, a depth role in a cup-winning team.
1: I'd even toss Ethan Bear in there as well because I think he's been really good since he got to Vancouver.
0: Yeah, and and then they're but they're just saying like we don't want picks, and it's like you should be selling literally everything that you can and getting picks. It's like then you should be trading all of those picks to get number one overall. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and get Bedard.
1: It's baffling to me that through all of this these last like 5 6 plus years of complete mediocrity of continual terrible asset management of just a slowly degrading roster other than like that one bubble season that they're still at a point where they can't decide if they want to rebuild or retool and it's it's like Rutherford I don't know what Rutherford thought he was going to do when he came in cuz he said now he said now that he's like I thought I was just going to come in to do like a minor surgery but it turns out we need to do a lot more than that. And yeah, he's so disappointed like why are you still
0: not calling it a rebuild?
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's like you still can't commit. It's like you the roster was fucked when he got there. Basically that that Ekman Larson trade completely screwed the roster up for yeah. you know another 5 seasons. But here we are two, what, two, three years after they've taken over? Or is it just a year? I can't remember. But, um...
0: A year, I think. It's, just it's the
1: same moves. It's even worse. It's the same idea of now Now they've gone and given this deal to J.T. Miller that's caused them to not be able to keep Horvat. They've given a whole bunch of money to Brock Bester. They've given a whole bunch of money to like, who else was it? Ilya Mikheyev. Mikheyev. Uh, Off-season. And now they're completely strapped again. They can't do anything that's going to improve the roster yeah they don't have a prospect pool to fill the roster out they don't have room to improve they have a terrible culture they don't seem to have a coach in place that they want to keep it's like they are in complete disarray right now
0: well like they've been shitty since the year after they went to the finals i think yeah I was
1: talking with a coworker with about that today, and he's like, look at look at how Boston, because they were both like two top teams in the league going into that cup final. Here we are a decade later. Boston is still good. And Vancouver has continually been getting worse every single year. Well, except for that bubble year.
0: Well, the Canucks were like one of the best teams ever. Yeah. In those couple seasons. And now they're just
1: perpetually
0: mediocre and not making any not progress and they're trading away first-round picks all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like no wonder um you know you like you look at like a team like i don't know chicago or minnesota or something right and it's like minnesota was kind of in that same sort of like mediocre or just enough to make playoffs sometimes sometimes one of the top teams to miss um, but you know like they, they made some good draft picks and now look at them they were able to make that risky move of those buyouts because they had faith in their development system they got guys like Boldy who they knew were coming up um, you know make some trades to get you know, basically get the Vezina winning goalie <laughs> for mm-hmm. like nothing um but like because they set themselves up you know good drafting they're able to make those kind of moves and exactly everyone thought they wouldn't be competitive this year they are um like chicago obviously had good draft picks with like kane and Taves, but they were garbage forever before that um they, they won some cups now they're now they're Able to say yes, we want to do a rebuild again. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell every, committing. they sell everything off of value. Get you know what was it? Two first round picks for like Brendan Hagel. Yeah, somehow. Um, <laughs> in <laughs> the mi- and like in the middle of that, they they randomly get Seth Jones, which is the the one kind of weird thing. Um, but um, I guess maybe they wanted to have another star player in the middle of this whole yeah. thing. Keep Someone people to coming kind of in. tide them over. Yeah. Um, but you know, now they'll probably get a good crack at getting Bedard, and then just like like that, their team could turn it around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like the Canucks are just when you live in that in between space, it's like you're never going to gain any ground. You might get marginally better, but until you're willing to just take it all down, like nothing's going to happen. You're not going to yeah. like waltz into playoffs when every other team is trying to get in like oh it's the canucks here (laughs) especially when they're
1: in a division with like vegas that's you know habitually decent seattle's getting better the kings are actually doing a proper rebuild and are getting better the oilers have been doing their thing and getting more competitive calgary's been doing the same like they're gonna get left behind if you're just trying to play around in that mediocrity area and you know you kind of wonder i think this has been brought up before about the ownership not wanting to let the front office commit to a rebuild, yeah, they think it's going to do more harm but than good. But it's like this is the cycle of hockey. Your team's good for ten years and they suck for ten years when you build it up again.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know
1: what it's what it's really looking like? I'm seeing so many parallels uh, with the Canucks of this this generation of Canucks with like the Oilers from 2008 to 2013 in so yeah. many ways with with you know the Oilers did commit to rebuilding cuz they were just that bad they couldn't do anything else so they got they had the top picks but like no prospect pool aside from like the you know the handful of really good ones constant coach turnover um you know questionable roster moves constantly locker room issues like the the uh, veteran rookie divide in Edmonton with like the Miller and Horvat divide in Vancouver um just ha- mishandling players and their injuries like uh, uh Sheldon Surrey's injury when he was with Edmonton you know mimicking the thing that Tanner Pearson's dealing with right now mm-hmm. there's so many so many parallels in that in that mediocrity terrible stage of of not being able to properly rebuild to properly build up a team from the ground up
0: yeah it's just you know, you, you can't really get anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the one difference is, like, they don't have any number ones overalls, but... That's that's exactly it. But there is a lot of similarities there. Um,
1: but, I mean, like, Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko are probably about as good as the Oilers' <laughs> first overall <laughs> picks anyway, so...
0: Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good players. I'm just trying to figure out, like, you know, the Canucks drafting, like, you know, they had no no first-round pick in 2021. They had no second-round pick in last year's draft. Um, no third or fourth in the 2021 either. No first or second in 2020. Um, you know, their their last first-round pick um, before this year was Pog Colson who they rushed into the NHL. And then they had Nils Hoglander in the second and they had Hughes before that, and then Pedersen, and then Evo Levy. So it's like, you know, they've had some top five picks, top ten picks, but, you know, their drafting doesn't seem to be the best.
1: <laughs> no, no, <they're, coughs> their drafting is awful. And then you go you go even back a couple more years, too, and, you know, the some of the best players to come out of those drafts, it's like, McCann and Forsling from, from 2014. Well, they're good elsewhere. They've got Demko from that draft, at least. And, yeah. like, going back then, it's Horvat and nobody else. Draft before that, it's, like, Brendan Gontz and Ben Hutton were the only ones to make the NHL. Yeah. So you've got 10 years of of terrible drafting and no real... You know, prospect pool into the NHL, which is another ma- major, you know, parallel with the Oilers of that era getting no, no results from the draft.
0: Yeah, it's just like from like where those teams were in like 2020 and tw- and even 2021. It's like, how do you not have a first or a second yeah. in 2020? Like, you know, like you're not just a, awful, con- You're not awful con- asset management. <laughs> You're not a competitor, like you're not really making a play for the cup. So why don't you have first? <laughs> like it's just insane to me that uh, you know that, that they they're constantly dealing away all these picks. <laughs> My dog agrees. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just weird. Like the, like if you look at their draft history, you'd, you'd look and think that they were a perennial contender. Right, but <laughs> that's a
1: good point. You know, you look at the picks they have, and and the players are getting out of it. It's like, oh, they're probably really good right now. Uh, no, not even close.
0: It's just like people talk about like the Chiarelli deals, but it's like Canucks are right up there. Oh yeah, absolutely terrible trades. I mean, for their whole history, really, they've they've always made really bad trades. But um, yeah, just it's sad. It's just like. I'm trying to think, like, Philadelphia, you know, we were talking about how, like, they've been making a lot of bad moves, but it's, like, at least they have, like, positives this season to, like, look at, I guess. Like, Konechny's having a really good season, Um, you know.
1: <laughs> well, it's also, like, they don't have any expectations on them.
0: Well, yeah, but it's, like, the Cubs should coo- Yeah. But they do because because people for some
1: reason look at their roster on paper and be like oh yeah they should compete for the playoffs like uh, no they're going to be terrible yeah like you know, <laughs> I guess one one last point of discussion for them is uh, over the weekend the rumblings over a coaching change impending coaching change really ramped up and it sounds like um, Boudreaux is basically on his last legs there's no he's not staying he's not going to be here past probably the trade deadline and um Rutherford's planning on bringing in Rick Tockett to to replace him. Of course, you know old old hockey guy bringing in his old hockey guy friend who he's worked with in the past. So you know nothing new there. But uh, we talked about the Rick Tockett rumors earlier in the season. I remember you had mentioned that was uh, you had brought it up. That was a thing for months now. But that's gonna be that's gonna be a really interesting dynamic in the locker room. Because Tockett is a defensive, f- defense-first coach. He's going to shut down any offense these guys put up. And he also has a history of putting players who suck defensively or don't put any effort defensively, he puts them in the doghouse. So he's going to have actually a lot, of t- a lot of trouble icing a roster in Vancouver because he's probably going to end up benching most of his players. And, uh, you know, you've got he's got a history with a couple guys, with Ekman Larson and Connor Garland from Arizona. But it sounds like nothing confirmed, obviously. But nothing. It sounds like there was a bit of a rocky relationship between Ekman-Larson and Tockett, that yeah. Ekman-Larson wanted to get away from him. So you you kind of imagine this is just going to be a really troublesome dynamic, and make it even harder for the Canucks to retain any players.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't see him being a great fit. No. I mean, like Hughes and Pedersen, like are they? Like that's that's the, that's the core. <laughs> yeah. At this point, and
1: they're both they're both like offense first. I mean, you mentioned Pedersen's been putting in a good effort all over the place, but he's still a talented offensive player. That's his game. And I mean, Quinn Hughes is an offensive defender, so he's not going to be he's not going to be a shutdown guy. <laughs> he's not built for it. Yeah. And the Canucks do not have a shutdown guy. Their closest is Luke Shen, and he's like a borderline second-pairing guy at the best.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, Myers, no. ekman Larson, no. Nope. They both should be scratches every other night, basically. <laughs> Rotate um, them in and out. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, they were just mentioned in Philadelphia, and I just actually saw something that caught my eye. But um, apparently um, the Flyers were wearing, like, pride jerseys in the warm-ups tonight. Mm -hmm. Apparently Provorov sat out the warm-up because he did not want to wear that jersey. Cited his religious beliefs. Well, he just became the
1: most hated man in hockey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With a team that shares Tony D'Angelo, there's a new (laughs) number one in town. Um, Wow. So yeah, he said he's you know, Russian Orthodox and, uh, wants to stay true to himself. Says he respects everyone, but yeah. So it's like, okay, I don't know how those things can be true at the same time. You respect everyone, but you also don't want to support gay people. I don't know, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, that one's gonna, that's gonna be interesting cause that just happened tonight. So that's going to be interesting to see. So um, yeah
1: cuz Provorov has been talked about as a guy that's you know in the in the trade blo- on the trade block somewhere and i have to imagine there's going to be some organizations that are going to see this and be like yeah no which i would totally support that cuz like why bring that why bring that into your locker room
0: well maybe boston will sign him maybe they'll they maybe they'll <coughs> trade and bring him on board they seem to have no problem with you know questionable moral choices <laughs> um but um, you know, silver lining is um, apparently um, like Scott Lawton, who is the only player on the fl- Flyers who wears a letter this season. Um, he has an A. Wait, he's what? the only guy. He's the only guy that I didn't wears even a letter. Know that. I didn't um, even notice that. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, apparently, he's you know involved with like supporting LGBT. I don't I don't know a lot about him, but I'm just looking at a Twitter thread for. Someone who's like their beat reporter or whatever. Um apparently they asked him last year why he's so passionate about it and he if he has a personal connection he just says, I just want to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Um so all the rest of the flyers wore the jerseys in warm up. Just Provorov didn't. Um Imagine being that so guy. You've
1: got your whole team out there supporting a cause and you're just some like jackass who's wearing the regular jersey. I
0: was just, like, just you don't like you're just wearing it for warm ups. Yeah like <laughs> i don't know those some of those warm jerseys are the nicest jerseys ever like some of oh, like the, so cool. some of like the latino heritage night jerseys that like the sharks or the stars have like they're yeah. really cool they're designed um,
1: great they're a great way for to get visibility for for supporting you know marginalized communities and stuff
0: the canucks actually have always have really good ones they always have like really cool chinese new year ones they always they had like a yeah um, i think like an indigenous they had like a Sikh one too one they had an indigenous one yeah um always this got really a great cool way
1: it's 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 that symbolic thing of making it like yeah hockey is for everyone and then you've got fucking Provorov here yeah no i'm good okay, okay yeah. go, fuck off
0: <laughs> so um yeah it's interesting cuz you know torts was talking about it just saying like you know religious beliefs he's staying true to himself um I'm just, I'm curious to see how the community reacts to that one cuz it's, it's like well, just the, just tonight the, like like their game started like not that long ago or like right. maybe like a few hours ago so the whole community probably hasn't sunk their teeth into that one yet um but um the yeah. uh the
1: reddit thread is pretty much a consensus uh fuck this guy loser
0: <laughs> Yeah it's weird really weird um, yeah, <laughs> it's like Tony D'Angelo's on that team and he's probably like, whew. <laughs> it's very, very weird. Um, and I, I, I did remember something and it feels a little stupid to bring it up now, but, um, Torts has also been playing, um, Or he's also been implementing a rule where like they're not allowed to have the tablets on the bench. Um, And so they're not allowed to like look at replays. Um, Because, you know, like you see it on every game, like guys come to the bench and they're instantly looking at the iPad and they're like looking at plays sometimes with their line mates, sometimes with coaches. It's not happening on Philly. Apparently the reason is he wants them to be in the moment and to pay attention to the game. Because when people come off the bench and they're looking at their own stuff, they miss the momentum swing. When they're not paying attention to the game, and I get it, I can get that, um, and maybe they do it in the intermissions and stuff. They may have video coaches or something that come in and show guys. But I thought that was interesting. Is if, uh, if there was a coach to do that, it would be him. Um, yeah, yeah. So,
1: I mean, I can get that because like, say I'm say I'm doing something or like I'm out, you know, zoned in on on some sort of task. If I stop for th- like thirty seconds to look at my phone and look at random stuff on my phone. It's like I'm completely disoriented when I go back to what I was doing before. It takes me a second to get back into it. So I can totally understand that. Like you get these guys who are all, you know, adrenaline-filled momentum from from their shift, hop off the bench, go and start playing around on an iPad for a few seconds. Like it's going to take them out of the it's going to take them out of the game. Even though they're still interacting with the game in some way, like they're not watching, they're not seeing what's going on, they're not like really in the moment like exactly like he says.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it too is like don't like look forward don't look back like during the game all i want you to do is worry about what's going on in the game and like go yeah. out there and like you know if you've made a mistake or something like that's the job of the coach to like address right mm-hmm. but you'll do that at practice or you'll do that after the game or in yeah inter- like what are you going to do in the game but like, you're not going to make real time it's, like changes. that that situation probably isn't going to come up again that exact situation won't happen again Like, you won't be on that same 2 on one or you won't be on that same board play. Like, it's just, it's going to be different. So just, like, you know, stay with the team, look at what's going on. If there's any sort of momentum change or, you know, a goal gets scored, I want you to be looking at that. So I thought that's kind of interesting because it's, like, it's an old-school thing, but it's, like, I think that it perhaps is needed because I think it did swing too far the other way where it's, like, all of that instant, like, review of like everything that's going on in the game, is probably just a lot. And like you said, yeah, it takes away your focus from, you know, whatever else is going on in the game. Um,
1: Imagine like you're looking down at the iPad and your team scores a goal. It's like you're not really even gonna notice, or you know, <laughs> you'll notice, like, but like you won't be into it.
0: Yeah, you. I mean, you'll watch the replay. <laughs> you, know, yeah. on, it's like, you know, on on the big you, screen or in, whatever. You're
1: in the game yeah it's like EA sports out here we're in the game
0: (laughs) yeah yeah um so yeah it's you know some weird shit going on in Philly but also some interesting coaching things um that's that's going on um I, I mean like Tortorella's been getting you know some good good commitment out of that team um You know, scratching their leading scorers and stuff, and you know, shitting on the All Star game, and then you know, you have like Kevin Hayes saying how important it is to him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's really weird. Um, To to, what a so I don't know is that is now you know saying the Canucks are maybe the biggest shit show in the league. Philly, I think, is still (laughs) still up there contention um it's it's, a, yeah, it's I mean, gonna like, be a
1: pretty interesting final between vancouver and philly for being a shit show in the league
0: yeah i mean like i think right now Provorov is, is doing his part to you know
1: to contribute to that to contribute case.
0: i mean like what a way to alienate yourself from f- a lot of fans of the league and also of your team
1: oh yeah this
0: is ridiculous um yeah, I, I'm I'm I want to follow that story and see kind of where it goes. Um cuz I, I think is the first time I've ever heard someone be openly homophobic. Like I think the closest publicly, Datsoup, right? You know? Yeah, I mean like there has been players I don't know, a little more like I don't know what the word for it is. Not as open, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, just to, to to not wear the jersey. Like, it's like, whatever, man. It's just a jersey. Yeah. It's like a rainbow jersey, probably, in warm-ups. You wear it for, like, 10 minutes.
1: And, like, what? Aren't warm-ups usually when there's, like, dark lighting and, like, flashing strobes everywhere? You can't tell what's going on oh, Well, anyways. it's
0: probably, the, like, the pre-game pre Oh yeah, warm-up versus warm-up. pre-game. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, like, not cool, will I it matter? Not cool. I mean, like, if if, if he's going to be traded, like, does it team... I mean, I don't know who was even rumored some... to be in on him, but...
1: I haven't heard much about Provorov trade rumors in a little bit. It was kind of like an off-season, early-season thing. But with where they are and kind of teams looking for decent defenders especially someone like him he hasn't been as good as he has been in the past i imagine they'd be you know calling on on philly for him but like i guess i'm not an nhl gm but like that would just be an immediate like yeah i'm not interested yeah you have you have to imagine there's some like you know maybe some of the maybe if there's like a younger gm in the league or like boston's dressing room or something would be like would shut that down pretty quickly
0: yeah i'm not sure um apparently um Saravalli was uh tweeting about the story um so yeah just weird because there's a there's a reddit thread where it's like Provorov's not on the ice for warm-ups um and then the thread's like oh man trade or whatever right and like jokes and stuff and then the next very next thread is like here's why it's <laughs> very different responses
1: that wraps things up for this time here on clappercast make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way for more content you can follow us on facebook or instagram at clappercast media or on twitter at clappercast thank you all for tuning in and we'll be back next week with more hockey talk